Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> so close to my mouth how's it taste um good We're i'm trying to reach my notes <laughs> without bumping my mic i see this yes <laughs> how does it taste it tastes like loud well we are going to be talking about the senses at some point oh boy speaking of i don't know honestly you could you could say anything and it would probably apply to this movie speaking of an so- assault on the senses <laughs> You can have a lot of goddamn things. We're talking about Mandy. Mandy. Mandy, Mandy, Mandy. Available on Shudder. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) So wild. (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, We're talking about Mandy. Let's just get into the facts because I'm I'm excited. (laughs) Oh, boy. If anyone doesn't know, and if if this entices you to watch it at all, this movie is uh, starring Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Sweet, sweet Nick Cage. And all his glory. All of his very strange, warm yogurt toes glory. <laughs> do you know that story? No! <laughs> what? He, what? He likes to do really weird things to get into character. And apparently in one of the movies he was in, he wanted his like then fiance or like part girlfriend or something to be cast for like the female lead and yeah. they weren't. And so apparently he was a little bit frosty and like would kind of do things to unnerve other people. And at one scene before there was supposed to be like this love scene between him and the female lead, he requested that they pour hot yogurt on his toes so he could get in the mood. And they said, if you look, his feet are not in frame. There are so many stories of what he does on set that just really unnerve people. Classic hot yogurt toes, Nicholas, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, that's fucked me up. Nothing I say is going to top that, so let's just go ahead and go for it. <laughs> this movie was made in 2018. Mm. Uh, it was directed by Panos Cosmatos. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, he was an Italian-Canadian filmmaker. I believe he's still alive. I don't I don't know why I said was. Mm. But um, he only made one of their film was Beyond the Black Rainbow. But his father, who I didn't write the name down for, was also a filmmaker. And I think he made, like, Rambo. Like, the second Rambo. Yeah. I think. So. He made, like, a big movie that I think Panos was, like, a tech person on. Yeah. And so he financed his movie through the residuals from that. All right. But I read a lot of articles. So TBH, I could be getting this mixed up with something. <laughs> well, who knows? All I know is that for sure he may be on the Black Rainbow. I don't oh, know anything yes. about it, but... It's even less structured um, than this narratively than this. Oh, yes, it's also about okay. a lot of drugs. Yeah, all right. Uh, so there was a lot of producers, but one of the producers was Elijah Wood. Uh, um, he does. He's like partnered with Spectre Vision, I believe. Yes. Like they, I'm almost positive because it has to be. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. So um, and I wrote Elijah Wood and many others, but Elijah Wood is the one that people would be like, "No way, Elijah!" Yeah. So there you go. Boy, uh, cinematography was Benjamin Loeb. I wish I could find more on this mm. person. There wasn't a lot. Like I looked him up. He hasn't done much. He does a lot of short films. Hmm. Um, that was that was actually it. It was just a lot of short films, and then Mandy. <laughs> but the cinematography is really great. So I'm just surprised that he's not done more. But yeah, uh, music was Johan Johansson. Yeah, which 
I know, RIP. He passed yeah. away. He's so talented. I know. Um, He's done a lot, but the two that I think people remember him the most for is Arrival and The Theory of Everything. Oh, I didn't know he did Arrival. He did. Oh, so uh, Theory of Everything, he was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original... Uh, what am I trying to think? Uh, soundtrack. Sorry. Best Original Soundtrack. He did not win the Oscar, but he did win a Golden Globe. Okay. So, and and the if you have time, everybody, go listen to the Theory of Everything music, like the soundtrack for it. I listen to it constantly, which is why I knew him, because I was like, oh, I love that soundtrack. It deserved the Oscar. It was very, very good. It's good for studying. I hmm. listen to it a lot when I'm, like, painting and doing stuff. Oh, I listen I to those, like, collated playlists Ooh. on YouTube that are, like... The student at your boarding school has a mysterious past and you followed them and it's raining. <laughs> or like you're a 19th century villain who's just won the game. Or oh, like, oh, those are what I listen to. Well, I love that. They're delightful. I'll, I'll check that out. Uh-huh. You check out Theory of Everything and we'll, we'll do a okay, nice okay, little okay. trade. Yeah. Um, he was also a music and sound consultant for the movie Mother. Oh. Which is a wild movie. Yeah. Also, it's great music. Uh, and also, Mandy was actually released after he passed away. Oh. So he obviously did the music there was another one too um I, I don't remember which one but there were two films that were released after he passed away uh and then we've got the budget budget was six million which is not a ton i mean for but then again this movie's not two buck wild like yeah well it is but i mean uh, like special you can get a lot wise. with lens flares right like so that do you know how much it budget you know how much it made um, uh, oh no. I'm excited. What do you uh, 75,000. Oh, no. Uh, 1.4 million. Okay. So it did better than I thought? Oh, I sure did mean 750,000. Oh, well. Either I don't way. know. <laughs> One less zero than intended. <laughs> uh, yeah, either way, it, it made more than I anticipated. Because, like, we talked about a little bit. It's a very niche film. Yeah. But when I... We talked about this a little bit. When I worked at the theater as a projectionist, people would leave this movie and be like, I fucking loved it. Oh, my God. It's incredible. And I was like, yeah, real? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I would like look through the little window every now and then, like a tiny bit, and it would look absolutely wild. And I'd go, I guess. I, yeah. don't, I don't. I don't know. We talked about this again right before we recorded. Mm-hmm. This movie has ra- like rave reviews. Yeah incredible reviews 90 percent critic of critics like loved it on rotten tomatoes it's got mm. a 7.8 i think out of yeah. 10 which like, i'm not saying you should take into consideration rotten Tomatoes. if you like a movie don't go to rotten tomatoes and be like well i won't watch it then yeah fuck that but i'm just surprised for such a niche weird film yeah where I, you have to be a particular person to enjoy this. Yeah. Like, and that's not like a negative quality of person. No. It's just like you have to appreciate the art house style and the grindhouse. Yes. It is a very weird mix. It is strange. It's good. Yeah. But yeah, I was just really surprised because everyone who left like loved it. Wowza. So. I feel like everyone that willingly goes to a Nick Cage movie is already in the right mindset. Exactly. Like if you like if you went in knowing nothing. Okay. This happened one time. I went to go see The Lighthouse. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> so if you've seen The Lighthouse, you know that movie's fucking weird. Like, extremely strange. And I went and saw it, and the people next to me had just chosen a movie at random. Oh, no. And they, the whole time, were just going, what the fuck? Like, out loud. They were just like, what is happening? Oh, my God. They were just unhappy. <laughs> and wow. I kept looking at them like, what did you think? 
Like, what were you... But then again... Do you think this is March of the Penguins? Like, Right. But then again, if you choose a movie at random and you're just yeah. like, I don't know, lighthouses are spooky. Wow. Sure. So if anybody did that for this movie, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I do have a few fun facts. There wasn't a lot about the production, which I was surprised. Mm. But I'll give the facts that I do have. So uh, production used the Ari Alexa camera which was made in 2010 and was actually like the first camera that really launched this particular company into digital filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So it's quite old. It's not like it's going to produce the best image, but I think that's what they wanted, obviously. Uh, And they mixed that with the anamorphic format. Don't worry, I'll explain. I was like, anamorphs? (laughs) I read those. (laughs) I almost said animals in disguise. Animals in disguise. disguise. (laughs) I'm not wrong. It's robots in disguise. Whatever. (laughs) Okay. Anamorphic format shooting. Uh, So it was when you shoot on standard 35 millimeter with a non-widescreen aspect ratio. This causes the image to be stretched vertically to cover the entire film frame. Results in a higher quality image. But it's very distorted because it's being stretched. Stretched, yeah. Yeah. So they mixed the camera with that to give it like that old timey feel, which is what they wanted. Um, Did a good job because I kept noting in my notes that it was like, it looked like an old VHS that was, you know, not the best of quality. And it's interesting that they got that on purpose yeah the so film well. grain that you can add to digital yeah we'll talk about that yeah i'm excited and the lens flares the lens flares so many lens flares i was into it i was like okay <laughs> we'll get into it i have reasons why i was chef's kiss i believe this it. film uh so yeah that's how they got that old look um helped produce the film's old shoot uh old style atmosphere also this is my last fun fact because like i said there weren't a lot the weapon forged by Red mm-hmm. was based on the F from the logo for extreme metal band Celtic Frost. Oh, wowza. <laughs> I, I know okay. nothing of this band. I looked up the logo. Oh. It is indeed just like the F, so wow. okay, okay, <laughs> good okay. job. And those are my those are my notes. I was expecting huh. to have a lot on how this movie was shot. Yeah. And there just wasn't a ton. But it's still interesting. Yeah. So Did you know that they named the axe uh, the Beast? On set, that's what it was called, The Beast. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, God, a summary? <laughs> I literally... I Who could? <laughs> oh, God. Red woke up screaming. <laughs> 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 Nothing can top that one. Um, Nicolas Cage and his girlfriend have a lovely life out in the woods mm-hmm. until a cult comes along and destroys everything until Nicolas Cage destroys them. Yeah. He's got a name in the movie, but I'm just going to call him Nicolas Cage. I don't, we know his, I know his name is Red because I read a lot of articles. Yeah. <laughs> read a lot of articles. Yeah. But I don't know if they ever say his name in the movie. I don't know. I actually don't know. Right. The only reason I know it is because I also read up, read up on like yeah. how the movie was made. Yeah. Huh. I have thoughts on a lot of things they didn't do in this movie. Yeah. One of them is, I can't wait to get to it. Oh, boy. I'm we'll excited. See if you okay. agree. <laughs> oh, man. Can I get a real summary, though? I can try to get yeah. you one. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> do, did they write one? <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes did manage to write one. Okay, good for them. And that sounded like a nag. It's not. It's a commentary on Nandy. <laughs> <laughs> so Rotten Tomatoes said, in the Pacific Northwest in 1983, outsiders Red Miller and Mandy Bloom lead a loving and peaceful existence. When their pine-scented haven is savagely destroyed by a cult led by the sadistic Jeremiah Sand, 
Red is catapulted into a phantasmagoric journey filled with bloody vengeance and laced with deadly fire. Great. Great uh-huh. summary. Love uh-huh. it. I do like that they got the detail pine scented Listen. home. <laughs> Listen. When I read that, I was like, okay, that's fine that you said that, but I thought it was really interesting considering what Nerd Corner is about. So just remind oh. me to come back to this scent memory thing. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. That, but yeah, you read that and I was just, okay, yeah. It, I mean, it probably is pine scented. Fair I mean, enough. he's a lumberjack. Me. I almost said he's a lumber boy. He's a lumber boy, <laughs> for God's sake. Yeah, he's a logger slash lumberjack. So it would smell probably quite tree. He probably smelled quite tree. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Your pine scented boyfriend. <laughs> oh my God. If you smell like salt. pine, hit me up. Yeah. I've always wanted a pine scented partner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Does that mean we're ready for Nerd Corner? Maybe. I I mean, I'll never actually be ready for it, I think, but I'm excited about it. Okay. So figuring out where to start for Nerd Corner was very confusing. I accidentally, Kate has like notes on the drive. One of them is just where we put captions and stuff Uh for the movie. And one of them is just Kate's notes. And I accidentally clicked on that. And all it said was, where to begin? Just a bunch of question marks and a bunch of options, which I didn't read because I didn't want to. Uh-huh. But I just was like, oh, she, she's got her work cut out for her now. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know? It was just nerd corner ideas. And the first one was cults. What's up with those? <laughs> I read that and I went, <laughs> well, guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it it did grow from there. Okay. We're not talking about cults this time. All right. Yeah, I know. I know. Soon. Uh, I went in a lot of different directions before I finally watched a YouTube video that I had pulled up five minutes into the movie. Oh, shit. Because one of the things that I first noticed, I was like, this is very grainy. That must have been used so on purpose. Grainy. And so I just Googled, like, grainy Mandy. <laughs> and it was like, the use of film grain and Mandy. And I was like, okay, those are my search terms now. And so I pulled up five, like, pages, like, yeah. five search pages, whatever. I'm a millennial. I know these words, these technical terms. And uh, then I just kept watching the movie and I was going to save them for later. And then when I got to the end, I was like, well, maybe I want to talk about masculinity. I don't really want to, but maybe I have to. Who does, you know? I'm exhausted. I'm too tired. I can't. I'm I'm too tired and too gay to talk about masculinity. Uh, So then I was like, well, maybe I want to talk about that. And so I still kept all of my previous tabs open. I had 20 tabs open. And I was too tired, obviously, to pursue the toxic masculinity route because that's convoluted it's too much. there's a lot to go on i might talk about it later we'll unwillingly uh <laughs> <laughs> but i went back to one of the tabs that i had opened that was a nerd writer article yeah. it's this person on youtube mm-hmm. their handle is nerdwriter one but most people refer to them as nerdwriter and yeah. this video they have like three million subscribers and this video had like several hundred thousand views. oh wow and i am mad at myself that i didn't watch it earlier because it really <laughs> opened things up so before i get into that though yeah i want to ask you oh god okay what does nostalgia mean to you nostalgia uh just memories childhood usually what things like sights smells sounds make you feel nostalgic what specific mm-hmm. ones uh honeysuckle mm, the same. smell of honeysuckle uh uh, rollerblading yeah <laughs> skate parks yeah yeah a lot of that uh water balloons which is weird just yeah. like the, just like seeing someone like have a water balloon fight yeah. immediately makes me feel like a kid yeah okay uh and then another question you and i both have vinyl record players we why do. why do you have one fuck you know what because i'm a nasty little hipster piece of shit i well. guess yeah <laughs> honestly so I'll get back to the question of nostalgia as it pertains to entertainment and technology 
But first, sorry, I just wanted to ask questions and then um, not answer anything. Also, just to be clear, I also have a record player because it also plays tapes and I have a tape of spooky Halloween sounds. Oh, wow. So I've got a reason other than being a hipster piece of shit. Mostly it's because I'm- Well, I said you and I both have record players and you know why I have a record player? It's because I'm the nasty hipster piece of shit. <laughs> Mine's also because of the spooky Halloween sound. Mine does so not have a cassette player. <laughs> everyone- Rose, you can still roast me. It's fine. I deserve it. <laughs> I wanted to listen to local natives on vinyl. That was my entire thing. <laughs> ask me what ask me what vinyls I have. Ask me. Which vinyls do you have, Nikki? Video game soundtracks over the garden wall <laughs> and Harry Styles. I have God help me. Death Cab for Cutie. Uh <laughs> Alt J. <laughs> and then I have this soundtrack to, um, what the fuck is his name? The Scientology dude. He wrote oh, a book God. and made a soundtrack to go with this sci-fi no. novel, and I bought it. We have- both have weird ones like mm-hmm. that, because I also have Satan is Real, oh, which is the soundtrack that two brothers in, I think, the 60s or 70s made to try to teach people about the dangers of Satan. And honestly, I know they didn't mean for this, but it just slaps. It slaps hard. It's really good. <laughs> and honestly, it just made me be like, fuck yeah, Satan. <laughs> oh, woo, woo. <laughs> I love you, the devil. <laughs> so yeah. This one goes out to my main man, Beelzebub. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we'll talk about nostalgia and technology. But first, Nerd Corner Thesis. Yes. Mandy uses film grain alongside an avalanche of cultural references, both visual and auditory, to evoke nostalgia for older movies, and that nostalgia can give us comfort. Huh. So, we'll also return to Nerd Corners where I talked about why people like horror, but that's at the end. So first, we're going to dig into nostalgia, basically, and then film grain, and then combine the two. Okay. And after that, we talk about nostalgia, specifically in horror. I love this. I love when you map it out for me. I had to map it out for me, too, because I kept going back. I was like, like, hold on. What am I doing? (laughs) Not sarcasm, either. It's like when teachers are like, all right, here's the chapters. You got to cover these. And I'm like, thank God. Thank you. (laughs) I've always been the person that needs to see the big picture laid out very clearly. And then, yeah. So as the Oxford English Dictionary helpfully told me, nostalgia is a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. Yes. Okay. And I posted an Instagram story this morning asking people what nostalgia felt like. I saw that. Yeah. I just wanted to, like, I I don't know. I wanted to be able to pull some things. I wondered if that was for Nerd Corner. I yeah. was like, what's this bitch doing? <laughs> what's this nasty hipster bitch what's doing? This nasty hipster bitch doing? <laughs> it's enough of you, slut. Uh, <laughs> I haven't done that to you in a long time. Yeah. I right? calm down. Um, boo, boo, boo. So I asked people what nostalgia felt like to them. And, like, what certain things evoked nostalgia. And my sister had a response that I loved, and I did get her permission to share it. Good. So she said, the inverse of the feeling you have sometimes when there is something you're anxious about but can't place to remember what it is, the opposite of that feeling. Oh, God, that's so accurate. I know. She was an English major. She, uh, it's not even fair. Hot damn, all right. She's just such a good writer. (laughs) So I also asked, as I said, what made folks nostalgic. Yeah. What, like brought about those feelings and I got a range of answers but most of them were smells oh yeah and I could get into the research around scent and memory but because this movie doesn't have smells attached I'm not going to scent invokes the strongest yeah. memories apparently mm-hmm. that's what I read it's like and I mean that's 100% true too because like one tiny whiff of a smell and I'm like I've been transported oh, like yeah <laughs> to a new time <laughs> exactly and, and so it's when wild. it said like pine scented home I was like okay well that's like an evocation of a smell that yeah. is immensely nostalgic for a lot of people because yeah. like the piney smell of Christmas trees oh yeah yeah or like winter like these things can have immense nostalgic value and so I thought it was very interesting that they included a scent 
that you have no yeah, way of knowing. Yeah. In, yeah. So we won't, we're not going to get into the sense now, but people shared a lot of sense that like were incredibly nostalgic. Like my sister mentioned sawdust. Because oh, okay, yeah. my grandpa had um, a workshop beneath oh, the yeah. octagon, which was what we called their house because it was eight-sided. What? He built it. Uh, yeah, my grandpa was awesome. <laughs> dope as hell. I miss him so much. But yeah. basically underneath was his workshop and yeah. he had like that big push broom. He would just push like a clean swath of floor through the sawdust. And so it just always smelled so good. Oh, that's, so I love that. Yeah. So it's an immensely, immensely nostalgic smell for me. But anyway, we know basically what nostalgia is. What about film grain? Yeah. So thank you in advance to Studio Binder for this direct quote. Film grain is the random physical texture made from small metallic silver particles found on processed photographic celluloid. Also known as granularity, this can vary in size, not just due to its random nature, but by the size of the image shrinking or increasing grains. Hmm. So when using physical film, there's always grain because that's part of the process of right. doing the thing with the film yes i i know this very technically <laughs> i did not go you're to nailing school. it thank you uh so while it's always there on like actual film yeah the degree to which varied based on film stock lighting and techniques yeah 100%. and in lower budget films the grain is usually much more visible because mm-hmm. they didn't have as good lighting they didn't have great film stock or like their equipment wasn't as good whatever right so the grain was usually much more visible Many filmmakers did their damnedest to minimize film grain, and we spent years trying to capture that perfect, crisp, sharp, clear image. Right. And now we have it. You can get a gorgeous 4K image on digital. So why would someone choose to add film grain if we spent so many years trying to get rid of it? Nostalgia. Yeah. Could it be? Could it be? I wonder why you would think that. <laughs> so, Psychic. Yeah. Adding grain to a digital film is usually done to evoke a certain feeling, mood, or otherworldly quality, or all three. In Mandy, the grain is used to invite nostalgia, dread, and that LSD trippiness and right. sci-fi quality. In listening to the directors, or just directors in general, talk about film grain, they always give a quality of movement to it. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a – it gives a life to it. It's not just movement. Like, the water flows. They'll say it's swimming, breathing, or in the case of Mandy, squirming. That is, okay, yeah, no, that is 100% accurate, because I was trying to think in my head, I was like, what movement would I think of? And then you said squirming, I was like, that is so mm-hmm. incredibly accurate, because it looks like tiny, this is going to be disgusting, for some people, I'm sorry, yeah. but the, the grain looks like tiny bugs yeah. moving around. Yeah, it's like parasites underneath the skin trying to get out. That's what it looks like. Yeah. And it's wild. But yes, yeah, swimming too is accurate, because some films, it's very light and like, so cool. I love film grain. Ugh. So... Spielberg had a quote. This is all from um, this video that I watched, mm-hmm. this YouTube video I watched. Um, Spielberg explains that in the case of like a flower, if you have a shot of a flower, the camera's not moving, the flower is stationary, right. but there's film grain, it gives life to the image because oh, there is movement. That is so cool. Yeah. So in the case of Mandy, the music instills dread and the film's grain movement makes that feel sinister. It oh. feels like it's squirming. There's something alive that's waiting to get out. So cool. I know. It's also used in Manny to deepen the experience of the characters' drug trips, all of their drug trips, every single one of those on drugs at some point, except Crothers, and the dreamlike quality of the film, right. because you have those interludes where it's 2D art that's nightmares. Uh, but yeah. It, there are a few shots, too, where the grain is, like, not there. Yeah. Which, for me, it almost looked like, and I'm not talking about the parts where it's animated, it looked like a graphic novel because mm. you have like um, on graphic novels sometimes like the background will be 
blurry, you know, mm-hmm. obviously. And then whatever is right in front will be super beautiful and yeah. intense. And that's what it looked like in sometimes. There's like a moment with the tiger. Where yeah. The tiger is just super high quality yeah. and beautiful, but everything behind it is like grainy. Super cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And with the movement, the tiger didn't have movement on its like you know mm-hmm. when it when the way it looked so and, sinuous and it felt unreal yeah. extra yes because it, it like, stood looked out extra out of place yeah and cool I'm just I'm excited sorry this is awesome yeah no I'm glad that this isn't just like boring like oh of course I knew about film no, okay you started talking about film and I was in awesome so before we get to the specific horror elements so I will put the link for the movie that I watched in the extended show notes it's like about an eight minute video okay. but boy does it pack a lot Hell yeah. into that. So I want to dive kind of into the element of nostalgia for past technology because we talked about nostalgia plainly. We talked about film grain being something that we actually technologically advanced out of and then accepted back into our hearts. Yeah. Uh, so why would we have nostalgia around technology? So Nerd Writer of YouTube. I feel so weird. I don't know this person's name. Nerd I just writer, know what yes. it, Nerd Writer, yeah. I identify with that. Um, they explain how film grain can move nostalgia from feeling to aesthetic. In building that thesis, they call upon the work of James Bridle, who explains why technological advancement has made us nostalgic for technologies and objects that we've never touched. For example, we have Instagram filters that mimic the colors and quality of older cameras. Like we have the sepia filter, the black and white filter. And according to Bridle, we weren't talking about the smell of books until the rise of e-books. And yeah, which I don't know if that's true, but maybe he wasn't hearing people talk about it. I have been a book nerd my entire life. I like and a so, good smell a book. Yeah. So it's been like a thing that has been right. in my life. But I don't know if that's true to other people. But I could feel it being like a once it started to go away. Yeah. Being something you, you notice miss. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And Bridal has very interesting research and a TED Talk that I did watch <laughs> that explores how we feel differently about things once they become digital and posits that by applying filters to Instagram photos, We're trying to make it solid and permanent in an era where everything moves so rapidly, fluidly, that it can feel difficult to hold on to emotions, ideas, places, people. I am not well-versed in the intricacies of Bridal's perspective and theories. I did watch his TED Talks. I'll link it in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I only know a very, very basic examination because he obviously has a very... If he had a fucking TED Talk, he has a very strong point of view on this. And he has like an intent behind his research. He did... um, like he had a four-year degree in computer science mm-hmm. and like cognitive intelligence, whatever. And he, by the end of it, he hated computers. He wanted to be like in um, artificial, not artificial intelligence, but about like computer intelligence right. and like the way that we interact with that because he was like, computers are the future. He was right. But then he realized he wanted no part of it. And so then he went into book publishing. That's so like, cool. Okay. Yeah. And so like he has a very uh, – particular perspective in terms of like the way that we approach technologies that we've never touched Mm -hmm. and the nostalgia for those it gets pretty intense and I was like I don't have the time (laughs) but going back to film grain because now we have like the nostalgia for technology let's apply it back to the movie so Nerdwriter's video pulls a quote from Cosmatos to explain film grain as a visual tool Mm -hmm. quote I feel like in the present time has no meaning anymore and it's so, I feel like now choosing an era for your film is almost like choosing a color. Huh. And Nerdwriter builds on that when they say, as history becomes nostalgia and nostalgia becomes aesthetic, a great opportunity is being presented to new filmmakers. Time has no meaning anymore. Every aesthetic of the past is a palette for the future. Whew. That's yeah. Go. Yeah. So film grain evokes nostalgia. Nostalgia is aesthetic. And how does that work into horror? Yeah. 
this has been talked about a lot, <laughs> especially when Stranger Things came out. Oh, so, like, yeah. okay. why would you choose the 80s for your monster series? Right. Because it's celebrating the media that the Duffer brothers had immense nostalgia for. Mm -hmm. That's the simple answer. What if we're not content with the simple answer? I'm not content. <laughs> we have horror movies that thrive on the unknown and totally alien, where we can't grasp anything. We can't grasp onto anything recognizable. And on the other side, we have horror movies so steeped in cultural references and meaning that it's impossible to separate them from their time. Right. So like Poltergeist is so very 80s. Yeah, yeah. And we know that the former example, like the alien ones, they make sure that we are constantly kept on our toes and we're uncomfortable because we're unfamiliar. But what about the latter, where there's something so familiar and so known to us? According to an article by Alexandra West in Coming Soon, quote, Many cultural critics and theorists have situated our disposition for nostalgia as a fear of the present, where the mind retreats to a past situation which offers comfort and confirms our belief systems rather than deal with an uncertain present. This new trend in Harvard to either explicitly set a film in the 80s or borrow specific elements feeds that desire for nostalgia. But these films subvert our expectations of the genre by creating a film that's familiar in its visual presentation alongside a revision of a familiar narrative, creating films that both embrace our love of nostalgia and prevent something frighteningly new and unexpected. So cool. So okay. it takes something that's familiar to us right. that we're comfortable with and then it twists it yeah. and that unsettles us. And that's one side of the movie, like how it scares us. Yeah. But what about another function of horror? How can it soothe us? And this is where I get back to the question of why people watch horror movies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And if you remember that, like, Nerd Corner, mm -hmm. one of the reasons I talked about was comfort, especially for people with anxiety. Yeah. And I identify so strongly with that explanation. Oh, boy, I do. <laughs> so I'm going to bring you a direct quote, a very long one, uh, from Angie Berry. Mm -hmm. In a world that seems to be teetering on the verge of total destruction, full of mass shootings, hate crimes, natural disasters, inept governments, and increasing tensions with nuclear-powered dictatorships, we crave comfort. We long to feel safe, and nostalgic horror gives us that. But horror, you might scoff. Comfort and safety through horror? It's really not that far-fetched. Plenty of people suffering from anxiety and stress disorders have already discovered the healing power of the genre. Consider this. When you have an anxiety disorder, you worry about things utterly beyond your control. Check. You deal with varying degrees of dread all day for no specific reason. Why are you anxious? Answer, because. because. Just because. All you can do is worry, and this often leads to the feeling that you're losing all control, which is terrifying in and of itself. That's where the magic of horror comes in. When you watch a horror film, you suddenly have a reason to be anxious and afraid. You can pin your negative emotions on a concrete culprit. Why are you anxious? Because there's a killer clown on the loose. Now you have an explanation, and you can begin to, re you can begin to regain a sense of control. So... <laughs> It just makes so much sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know we've already talked about it, but it's just so true. Because mm -hmm. you also have control of knowing that's one, not real. Yeah. Two, going to end mm -hmm. eventually. And yeah, it's just, oh, yeah. It's so it, accurate. I've said it before, but it's like, I'm already going to be scared of everything. I'm already so, very yeah. anxious. Let me just pick what I'm anxious about and condense it into a time period. And exactly. I can feel all those things while being totally safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So this was kind of a long and winding nerd corner, which started with some film grain, huh? And it ended with how nostalgia can function within horror and society at large. But I thought it was really cool to see the way that it so firmly sets itself in the 80s yeah. with all the cultural references, especially with like the film grain and mm -hmm. a lot of like trippy techniques and stuff. I'm like, what does that do for the movie? Yeah. And the video I watched talks about how it's not just like an aesthetic. It is a in like integral part of the movie where the movie would not function the same way without oh, no. the film grain or the wild lights. It would feel very strange. It would be entirely different and it would function differently. 
And it's wild, too, because they didn't just use, like, the film grain and everything when they're using, like, the real-life images. Mm -hmm. When they do the animation, the style of the animation reminded me of the animated, like, uh, Hobbit show from, like, the 80s. So, like, they even had... And, and like, the Dungeons & Dragons animated stuff from Mm -hmm. the 80s. So it had that... Not that I was born in the 80s, to be clear. I, like... So I don't know everything about this. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I've just seen those images. The, no, those were in a lot of the articles. I read. Okay, good. You're like so hitting like, on all of it. It just reminded me of those. So yeah. I was like, wow, this really is the 80s. And they're not in it for long, but they were in it long enough from, to like solidify that it yeah. is the 80s. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. So that's Nerd Corner. Oh, that was so good. Oh, yay. <laughs> I love film grain. Anytime we get to talk about film, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, here we go. <laughs> I love it. I miss being a projectionist. Someday. I'll get back there. Yes. Um, All right. So we talked about Nerd Corner. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about horror, but we have a special guest. So if the next part sounds different, that's because it is, and we'll have a person with us. So get ready. Have fun, future Nikki and Kate. Yeah. Um, Let's do our classic transition noise that we did the last time we had a transition. (laughs) <laughs> people love this oh, yeah. <laughs> the crowd wants more oh they love it okay so we're talking about horror it's time uh, and we have a guest. We have Adel Rafai, who you might know from Hey Riddle Riddle and Hello from the Magic Tavern. And I'm sure a ton of other stuff because you do lots and lots of stuff. <laughs> do you want to say hello? Yes, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we're very excited. Um, we're also so excited that you kind of chose this movie. <laughs> oh, wild, you have no idea. We, <laughs> okay, I just want you to know that also we sent the list of movies and I was like, Kate, I know he's going to choose Mandy. Like, <laughs> I, something deep in my heart knew. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm very happy that that was uh, the, the road we chose. Um, yes, you were dead on. I, I saw this movie when it came out in theaters. I saw it opening night. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I've also gone to a local restaurant in, my, in Chicago, did a thing called uh, Goblin Night, <laughs> where... Where they had the the uh, mac and cheese goblin. goblin. No, no. They they made a cheddar goblin like sandwich or something, no. and then they had they had a gentleman who was maybe like four feet tall, dressed up all in green, and it was like he... it was truly like the most bonkers wild thing. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with this movie. I'm so glad because I I told Kate I was like part of me wants to ask like when he saw this movie yeah. is this your first time? Yeah, because this was both of our first time yeah. seeing this. <laughs> Um, I used to work as a projectionist at a theater, and uh, when this movie came out, people would either walk into the theater and be like, oh, I'm so excited for this, or some people would walk in knowing nothing, (laughs) and the people knowing nothing would leave so confused. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, so I would peek into the window every now and then to see what it was about, and I got no context clues, so I was still completely blind. (laughs) So as a, when did you work as a projectionist? Like in the last couple of years here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was a projectionist for about five years and then the theater closed, like when the pandemic hit gotcha. and everything. Yeah, so yeah. just recently it, I was not one. What, I'm, I'm sorry to take up a little time here, but I'm fascinated by this occupation. 
is it, it nowadays is it simply like you press a button and then you press a button to stop or is it still is there still like reels with film or is so, it just a cartridge okay so i would work with digital projectors and we had eight of those and that is kind of a start and stop they're all on a schedule and it's like a program that auto programs gotcha. all of the cues and does it itself um, but we're an old theater, so we did have issues where things would just stop and we had to manually like bring up the lights, hit start, hit go. Yeah. So that was a nightmare. But we did run 35 millimeter and 70 millimeter film. Wow. Yeah. So I watched Little Women uh, four times a day for about seven weeks. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. the other thing I wanted to ask was, do you sit and watch the movies or do you just like put it on, read a um, book or you're on your phone or something? I... You don't have to watch them. I had like a desk that was just in the dark that I would sit at. But um, every now and then I would go check on it because we have had films catch on fire. Well, um, oh, no. We like lost a Batman print just completely gone one time. No. Yeah. So I was like, I never want this to happen on my watch. I was so scared that I would ruin. We had, uh, do you know 2001 Space Odyssey? That was a dumb question. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. uh, we had one of the only prints of that that was in 70 millimeter that was like a restoration. And every day I was like, this will burn. Like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. So, yeah, I would watch the movies usually. I feel like I know your pain a little bit because when I went to see Atlantis at the drive-in as a child, that did catch fire. <laughs> see? I never got oh, to see no. the end until like 10 years later. So I think I understand the pressure that you were under. <laughs> I think you understand yeah. quite nicely. It sounds like being a projectionist is simultaneously the least pressure of a job and also the most pressure of a job? 100%. We would get a lot yeah. of complaints for people who would just be like, um, it's so loud. And I'd be like, yeah. I have like so little control over this. And then I'd turn it down and they'd be like, too quiet. <laughs> Weren't there so. people that were weird about like movies that had intentional silence? They were like, <gasps> uh, your tech is very bad. It was quiet for a while. <laughs> yeah, we had a movie that specifically we had to put a notice on box office that we said 10 seconds of silence. This is purposeful. Yeah. Please do not call. That's incredible. Um, excuse me. Charlie Chaplin <laughs> didn't speak this entire film. <laughs> oh, God. It was a nightmare. I um, paid for the voice of an angel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. So, yeah. That was my experience with Mandy is that I had seen it through a window in a tiny little, like, tech booth. And I was like, yeah, I think I get this. <laughs> I think that's how the director intended it to that's be. That's how he, yeah, I read yeah. that actually. So mm-hmm. you had to mm-hmm. lift the little carpet it, and watch it through yeah. the. Yeah, you're supposed to watch it almost like how people are supposed to look at an eclipse. That's how you're supposed yeah. to watch Mandy. There's special you glasses. Poke, you poke a hole in a piece of cardboard and then you mm-hmm. look at the ground where the hole is directed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel kind of bad because I didn't watch it like that this time, but yeah. it's okay. I was just too tempted by the fog. I like couldn't look away. I didn't have my <laughs> eclipse glasses and I do feel yeah. bad, but I've lost yeah. some sight. Uh, but yes, yeah, speaking of, I do have some notes and I'm very excited, but I want to start oh with my most controversial opinion. Oh no. Kate hates when I do this. And this has happened okay. multiple times. I thought the Cheddar Goblin was cute. <laughs> I thought he Cheddar, was just Cheddar darling. Goblin, top five fictional characters of all time. Thank you. Um, I have a, we have a running list of the characters that I think are cute that Kate roasts me for. Yeah. Mostly it's just Michael. The child version of Michael Myers is cute, right? Like, oh, I thought you were talking about John Travolta as an angel, and I was like, okay, no. <laughs> whatever you, whatever floats your boat. No, I'm into it. <laughs> no, the the child version of Michael Myers is a little sweet darling boy, and Kate no. thinks him wrong. There was nothing behind his eyes. You're wrong. <laughs> I also think the chestburster is cute. I agree alien. with you. Yeah. Uh, I thought. So he was yeah, very I cute. thought Cheddar Goblin was cute. I was expecting more of it because do you remember the marketing for this? The Cheddar Goblin uh, was everywhere. I don't. 
Really? Yeah. Like, maybe it was just my theater, but like, we would put pictures up of like Cheddar Goblin to be like, come see this movie. <laughs> Cheddar Goblin has a Twitter. Yeah. Well, I love That's that. Phenomenal. I don't, but I'm happy to link you to it. <laughs> okay. I'll start with my actual notes, though. Um, so, we talked a little bit about Nerd Corner, which you weren't here for, but um, the whole movie was kind of based on like nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Kate, you know more about this, yeah. obviously. So I talked about uh, the intentional use of film grain as it appeared in this movie because it used to be just a necessary part of any film because of like the actual physical process. But once things went digital, you could have grainless films. But then the director went hard on adding the grain and what that means. And then there are a bunch of interviews where it's like grain as aesthetic and then nostalgia becomes aesthetic. And then... There's timelessness, but really at the end we talked about nostalgia used in horror to both unsettle and kind of soothe and like Mm. the multiple ways it can occur. So we talked a lot about film grain, which I know almost nothing about. So that was fun. It was like grad school again, (laughs) just like (laughs) smiling through bold faced lies, you know, I was pumped about it. Um, So yeah, this movie did feel kind of nostalgic because it felt like an old VHS tape. Did Mm. you get that vibe? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. and I think it's it's very intentional. I think the up top, don't they say it's like set in 83 or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. So I think they're definitely like trying to muck up the film a little bit just to make it seem real gritty and yeah. And, uh, yeah. We talked about how um different film grain has like different movement and uh mm-hmm. Kate said like some are like water, some was where they swim, they breathe, and in this case they squirm, which made sense. Ooh. As yeah. soon as you said that, I was like, "Oh, they 100% did cuz it moved so fast." And it what has, was, like, what was it? Swim, breathe, squirm? Yeah. I think that's my. That's going to be my new live, laugh, love. <laughs> I'm going to get it just plastered on my wall. I need that on a post mat. What's it called? The swim, breathe, the squirm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Swim, breathe, and squirm. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's squirm o'clock somewhere, ladies. <laughs> uh, I, oh. You said squirm, and I, one, hated the word, and yeah. two, agreed. I yeah. was like, it did mm-hmm. look like yeah. squirming. Uh-huh. Um, but we also talked about like some of the shots were like really nice. Like, very um, not grainy, so it felt like the graphic novel, which was super weird. I don't know. It was super cool. Um, one of the things I noticed, too, and I was going to bring this up specifically mm-hmm. when you were here, because I wanted to see if you caught this, too. So many of the characters just don't blink. Did you catch that? <laughs> like, am yeah, I... I th- uh, I noticed that as well, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of, like, graphic novel, because mm-hmm. to me, so many... So many sort of set pieces in this film are almost like full full page panels. Yes, like they're they're meant to be almost like framed and hung up. That's what. Where it's just like the camera lingers, the actor lingers. There's not a lot of movement with their heads a lot of times, and it's usually just like a full on uh, shot with their eyes unblinking, with some sort of color or some sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, busyness in the background. Yeah, it's it's absolutely it's. I never use this word. It's sumptuous. Oh, that's a beautiful oh. word. <laughs> um, it was very deadpan, yeah. which was yeah. great. Like, there's not a lot of movement until there's a lot. You know, <laughs> until yeah, it's yeah. multiple chainsaws dueling. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it really takes you by surprise. Um, <laughs> I oh, there was one particular part. So they don't blink. And I read. Um, Oh, we don't love this movie a ton, but Scott Pilgrim vs. the World mm. also, they also didn't blink purposefully to make it look like a graphic novel. So oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. I wonder if that was also, they were like, Nick Cage, please don't blink. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cage will do I whatever think that's he just, wants. That might just yeah, be Yeah, I think that's just the vibe he brings on set is like unflinching actor 
yeah, yeah. Well, apparently mm-hmm. he's strange because Kate told me a fun fact about how he put yogurt on his feet for a... a, he, a he requested that they pour hot yogurt on his toes, specifically, uh, to get into a scene. I don't remember the movie. I think it was from the 90s or the 80s. I don't know. And wow. uh, he was... He's a lot to work with in that he likes to unsettle people on purpose, which I respect. But yeah. uh, you, you go, yeah. man. Good old yogurt toes. I, th- I think he's brilliant in terms of I don't know anyone who's not curious about his performances. Yeah. Where it's like yes. anytime he has a movie coming out, you're like, it could be leaving Las Vegas. It could be like Oscar or like adaptation where you're like, he's maybe one of our best actors of all time. But on the flip side of the coin, he's willing to do whatever. So it's also like starting with maybe like Wicker Man or like Bad Lieutenant oh, Port of Wicker Call. Man. He just has the most like interesting performances and interesting choices of like he's doing this movie. Like why? It's so so I th- strange. I think more than any other actor, I'm someone where I'm like he's not my favorite actor, but I will watch anything he's in because I know it's going to be interesting. Oh yeah, it's I have no interest in most of his like style of movies. Like action movies aren't my jam, but if Nick Cage yeah. is in it, I will go to watch him act with his teeth. I yes. will have the time of my life because Nick Cage is yes. in it. That man's teeth though. Yeah, we, just... Oh my God. Fun fact. I don't know if you've seen this movie, but Kate and I have seen it, what, seven times now? Well, I don't know why this happens. I'm putting us on blast. Have you seen Willy's Wonderland? No, it just popped up on Hulu, I think, as a recommendation. It's almost like uh, Five Nights at Freddy's yeah. or something, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Also, he does not speak the entire movie. He does not say a single word the whole time. And he sensuously plays pinball. He, so, like, makes love to that pinball soul. machine. Yeah. What and else I do you soul. need? <laughs> recommend. Say no, mo- say no more because I'm watching this tonight. <laughs> yeah. Every single time I'm Kate sorry. and I drink at all, it <laughs> ends with the night going, should we watch, <laughs> should we watch it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> And then none of us make it through the whole movie. No, I, I usually Fantastic. the one that falls asleep. I'll so yeah, it, out. he makes interesting choices. And I noticed that because he doesn't talk much in this either. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, okay, so he's just not going to talk a lot. And when he does, it seems to be very like your basic horror movie grunts. Mm-hmm. But then he has one line that I lost my mind. is when he shouts, you ripped my shirt. <laughs> I have a trope about that. <laughs> Do you remember this line? <laughs> Yes, because his delivery of it is most of his deliveries are so foreign to how humans speak. Uh-huh. Like, like the cadence is it, the cadence is such where you're like, no one talks with those inflections. No one. Yeah. So I remember watching it and being like, you know, this is kind of not what I expected from Nick Cage. He's being very um, you yeah. know, normal. And then he said that, and I went, oh, we're off to the races. Yeah. Oh my god! It's almost like a Bob Dylan cadence of like you rip my shirt, (laughs) (laughs) or it's like, yeah, his voice goes places where you're like, that's not. It it seems like he's workshopping something. Yeah, it truly. It looks like he was like, let me try that one more time, and they were like, please, Nick, we can't. (laughs) I will say, even though he doesn't have a ton of lines, one of my favorite lines. Well, I have two of my favorite lines. Mm, Yes, one is when. uh, We first are introduced to him, and he kind of scares his wife coming in the house, and he says. Knock, knock. And she <laughs> says, who's there? And he says, Eric Estrada. And she says, Eric Estrada who? And he says, Eric Estrada from Chips. <laughs> and then they both they both die laughing. I didn't and get it. I didn't get it. Yeah. Either. I remember in the theater being like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then also uh, one of my favorite moments is when they show the Cheddar Goblin commercial on TV. <laughs> and once it's done, he's staring unflinching at the TV and he just goes, Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> and then he passes out. And I'm like... 
That's one of the greatest moments in cinema history is just to have a character re- repeat what they saw and then pass out. I was convinced when I saw that, that that part. I was like, I see. He's entered a different reality. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, world and we're this all just is... kind of going along for the ride. <laughs> it was so strange that I was like, surely he's traumatized enough that he's not in his world anymore. And then, no, he is. This is just the Cheddar Goblin's world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, also, that's one of my favorite moments, too, is when he... Because the whole movie's been pretty, like, cool tones and dark. Also, I don't know if you know this. I'm obsessed with lighting, so yeah. I will talk about it a lot. Well, I'm then sorry. this movie is a feast. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. God. <laughs> oh, I already had it written down. I said, what a feast for the eyes. Mm. Um, I, I truly think... I don't I don't think this is one of the... I don't, let me see how to articulate this. I don't think this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I wouldn't put this in, like, my top maybe a thousand movies, but I feel like it's one of the most important movies ever made, huh. and I guarantee you this movie will, will be studied by filmmakers, auteurs, for centuries to come. It is it is truly one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. It, like, I would, I'd put it in my top five most beautiful movies. Even though it's horrific and gory, mm, mm. shot by shot, it's just like... The lighting, the music, the I mean, it's just unbelievable. It sounds like you might like Neon Demon then. Yeah. Have you ever I I have not. I was uh-huh. gonna say this movie reminds me of Drive oh, in, okay. in some parts. Uh, and I know it's very the same. Similar. I know Neon Demon's the same director as Drive. I yeah. believe I think it is. Yeah, yeah. So we we did an episode on Neon Demon and um we <laughs> love the way it looks, but the director is an ass. Like he is truly one of the most wild people we have ever read about. And we were like, What? One of his quotes from the movie is There's like, a teenage girl inside of every man. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and we yeah. were all like, well, I don't know about that. So, yeah, I hate to hear that. Uh-huh. Yeah, but this movie is similar in lighting. So if you mm-hmm. like the lighting and you... Also, Keanu Reeves is in it doing a buck wild job, so... Oh, yeah. I, dude, I forgot. He was so, yeah. It, it, yes, please. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. it's very neon in this movie, obviously. But yeah. it takes a weird turn right after the Cheddar Goblin scene. So the movie has been like bright pink bright mm. blues there's a really cool moment where they're talking about the galaxy where like it mm. seems to like shift as if it's like the galaxy is above them doing wild things mm-hmm. and then you get that scene at the end where it is looking like that so i was like oh that's cool so this is what we're going to expect for like the rest of the movie then you get that scene in the bathroom right after he whispers cheddar goblin and it's bright orange and warm tone and it just like shocked my eyes <laughs> yes. it is the most well-lit scene in the entire yes. movie where you can see everything that's happening nothing's obscured there's no fog machine and yeah. i for one missed it but it was one of those scenes that was just like you are going to witness someone's breakdown yes. and you are going to have to look at it the whole time yeah i thought of it almost as like like the phrase that popped up in my head was like exposed nerve Ooh, where it's yeah. like you you have to see and feel everything this guy sees and feels and it's that that two minute moment of him drinking vodka and screaming while in a tiger sweater and his tidy whities. Yep, I had a lot of. I mean, <laughs> I this time watching it, I rewound it and watched it again because I'm just like, one, this is fucking incredible, and two, I want to go for that as Halloween. It's just like, <laughs> oh my god, yes. Fake, Fake bottle of vodka, tiger sweater, and tidy whities, yeah. and I'm like, un- unfortunately, I live in Chicago, so it's freezing. Oh, so I'm yeah, like, if I ever. No. If I ever Halloween somewhere else, like Santa Fe, I'm going as that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You gotta do Go it. Go to Florida, if, do some Halloween. If, you will not be the weirdest yeah. person there. It'll you be won't. Great. If, if I ever Halloween in Santa Fe. <laughs> I have a Halloween house. I summer yes. there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your Halloween house. But yeah, like that was one of my favorite scenes. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it, like you said, it forces you to be like, you're going to watch it and mm-hmm. you're going to like it. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's, uh, it's great. It 
it's so and even his scream has that same cadence where i'm like you want to scream all right you do it your way man um (laughs) but it was great and it was so warm and then the rest Mm. of it almost felt like his relationship with his girlfriend is so like happy to him that it's like another Mm. world and then he has this breakdown and it's like real lighting and then you get to him murdering a bunch of people and he's like all right we're back (laughs) to this otherworldly it's so cool um yeah and then uh i'm absolutely terrified of these cult leaders as well jeremiah or are you talking about the black schools are they not the same thing well (laughs) (laughs) i'm really bad with names notoriously so so jeremiah has like the children of the new dawn or something and those are like Mm -hmm. brother what's his face brother snow and like sister lucy sister mother marlene and uh i did for a while think that brother snow's first name was buddy because he does say buddy and i was like wait is that his name or are you putting him in its place are you saying there's nothing sexual here bud uh but then they call upon with the horn of abraxas the black skulls which i don't remember all of their names but there's like scabs fuck pig and sis what? sorry well <laughs> do they say that no i don't think so i think it's just what people I... piece together from the credits I need one of the. Have you seen those T-shirts that are like John, John ampersand Ringo ampersand yeah. George ampersand Paul? I need Sist one that says cyst and fuckpig. Fuck yeah, <laughs> truly, I need that shirt. I just want one that says I'm with fuckpig. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I I feel like they would have said those names, and if they did, I would have remembered at least that. I'm pretty sure it's only from the credits. If it helps at all, fuckpig fuck is the one with the knife dildo. <laughs> So oh, I know yeah, that, that you probably sense. couldn't guess that from context. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I w- speaking of names, I will say <laughs> if you showed me this full movie and you cut off, you lopped off the intro and the credits afterwards, mm. if you just showed me this movie and then afterwards somebody with a microphone was like, as quick as you can, what do you think the name is of the person who wrote and directed this? I would probably, I would probably be like, I don't know, fucking Panos Cosmatos. And that's the guy. And that's the guy's name. His name 100%. is Panos Cosmatos. Yeah. We talked which about sounds, this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which sounds like a name you you panic create when you've seen something insane. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. sounds like 100% when I did improv in college, I would have been like, Panos yeah. Cosmatos. And they would have been like, okay, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not Susan, I'm Sousen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm notoriously bad at also coming up with names. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I actually talked about this a little bit when I did my notes in the beginning. Um, his dad was... He made Rambo 2, I think. And that's how... Oh, what how is that? He made, like, one of the Rambo movies, and that's how... What are, what are the Rambo movies? Should I know these? Rambo? 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 Um, oh, Rambo. <laughs> I, was I, like, thought you were... <laughs> I was about to be like, Adel, I can't explain Rambo 2. I've never seen them. <laughs> Nikki? Yes? Yes? Where yes. are you from? Ohio. Ohio, okay. And Florida. I, s- <laughs> I swear I heard you say rainbow. Oh. I don't know if that's a regional accent or something, but I thought you were saying rainbow. rainbow. You know? Rambo. Rambo. I've been told I do have a bit of an accent. <laughs> so, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. I got to find that gold at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> I do say... It's by the crick. <laughs> I say a word weird that everyone makes fun uh-huh, of me about, uh-huh. and I'm going to say it right now, Adel, and I want you to okay. tell me if it's weird. Yeah. Grape. Uh, yeah, I could see. Yeah, yeah. There's a roll to- on the R. Up top, it's a little shaky. You don't know where that road's going. Grape. <laughs> Grape. I've been roasted many a time. Yeah. So it's fine. Well, I, w- it's fine. I will say my, my mom and sister both say milk. Oh, really? no. Milk and milk. magazine. Yeah. 
I feel so like we all... egg and bagel are like the really... You say bagel, bagel. weird. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought I was going to be in the majority. <laughs> Welcome Sorry, back Kate. to Adel's Self-Conscious Corner. Um, <laughs> if you're just joining us... Uh... I'm having a good time. Yeah. I, I, this comes up a lot, too. I do say words weird. But no, Rambo... Rambo. Rambo, yes, I yes. know Rambo. Yeah, so yeah. his, yeah, his dad apparently made. I don't know which one. I think, I think First Blood Part Two. First Blood Part Two. I googled it. <laughs> what a terrible title. Yeah. <laughs> First Blood Part Two. Uh, the second blood. <laughs> he also was the second unit video assist operator uh, for Tombstone, which oh. is my oh. only favorite western. It is the only western <laughs> I like. Very uh, good western. Didn't yeah. you say that's how he made the money to mm-hmm. do this? That's movie? how that's how he made Beyond the Black Rainbow. Oh, okay. He got like the um, residuals from Tombstone, and he used that to fuel his less narratively focused, also drug LSD trip movie, The Black Rainbow. Just Beyond be clear, the Black Rainbow. Kate is saying Rainbow. <laughs> Just <laughs> Beyond so. the Black Rambo. <laughs> Excuse me. Do you have Black Rambo? Get out of my store. <laughs> you have to go. <laughs> Um, God, I don't even know why I got on that. Oh, the name. Yeah, yeah so yeah. apparently, this is like his only movie besides that other mm-hmm. uh, rainbow movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wow. he loves a good drug movie. He does, yes. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I can confidently say I will see anything Panos Cosmatos puts out. For That's easy on. for you there, too. So you're already halfway there. <laughs> Your list is 50% done. Yeah. <laughs> but moving forward, moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm trying to go through my notes, but they were a mess because I couldn't well. look away. Uh, also, oh, one of my favorite shots is the car approaching in the fog, because um, it yeah. also felt like a graphic novel, because usually, in other movies, when something is approaching, like, you see it from pretty far away, and you're like, oh, there's a car coming. I had no idea. I just saw fog, and then all of a sudden, there is a car, and I was like, oh my god. And like you said, it felt like a whole other, like, uh, panel in, like, a comic mm. book. It was just great. Um, I, I also think it looks like, have you ever seen, um, what is the, there's a horror movie that's like ballerina, Suspiria. The original oh, yeah. Suspiria. Yes. If you watch the original Suspiria, so much of the shot shots and lighting and moments in this movie uh, reflect the original Suspiria, oh. which I think is Dario Argento, maybe? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. funny story, for the first two episodes, I was like, hey, we could do the original Suspiria and the remake back-to-back. And Nikki's like, I don't think you're ready for Suspiria. <laughs> she had never seen them, and I was like, nah, maybe we no. don't start there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I also, oh yeah, music went from cool tones mm. to warm tones. Oh, uh, the lens flare? There's a lot of lens flare yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. When in doubt, mm-hmm. lens flare type thing. You know? I loved it. I don't know why. I just thought it was so cool. Also, mm-hmm. this was not important, but there is a brief moment where someone reaches for a golden gun, and I genuinely was like, is that the gun from Goldeneye? Hmm? Like, <laughs> One shot kills. It looked, I saw it, and I was like, is that supposed to? No, there's no way. I'm but Googling. if it is... I think- yeah, if that was the case, I would have cheered if it's like he reaches for the golden gun and gets knocked out of his hand and then it's like slaps only or something. Like, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> not for you. It's the only way to play. Um, yeah. Play as, odd, play as odd job, play slaps only, you'll win every time. <laughs> I can't. I want to play that. Have you ever played this game? No. Kate's not a, Kate's not a real gamer. I'm not a real uh, gamer. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't know I think game? I think you're a real gamer. Thank you. Adel. Not knowing anything about me. Thank you. That'll <laughs> <Adel>, stop. <laughs> To, to be fair, Gold Knight came out like 30 years ago. <laughs> well, yeah. hold on. My cousin did play. I was not allowed to play, but I was allowed to spectate. 
Oh, so you're okay. Yeah. So you're like a gamer that watches. That's fine. I'm a gamer. Gamer once removed, I think, is the correct term. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I said, my notes are a mess because I was so excited that I was like, I can't write anything. I do text or like, what is it? Speech to text on my notes, yeah. so they come out bad. But, in your um, defense, in your defense, even if you took like, like super hardcore notes in order. They, for this movie, they they would still be nonsensical. Like, there's mm-hmm. no order of notes that makes sense in this movie. Yeah, I can I can read the last four, and they will truly make no sense. But I just said I'm gonna say it. Not enough cheddar goblin. Well, <laughs> I said better to burn out than fade, which I loved. Uh-huh. One of the best lines. And mm-hmm. I wrote, he's got a chainsaw XL. <laughs> and then I said, so much blood mist. I'm your god now. And that's all I wrote. So apparently, I was just writing lines at a certain point. Love, love <laughs> I was it. like, mm, good, yeah. yes. <laughs> I mean, you saw mine. I take like stream of consciousness notes as I watch it, and it ends up being about ten pages long, and then I keep maybe six lines. <laughs> you do. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the very important ones was, ah, an artiste has entered the room. <laughs> so that's like the level of notes that I took, at least. Oh my I God. think, I think this movie. I've never seen all of it, but I've seen little snippets. Have you ever seen the movie Heavy Metal? No. No. It's like. I believe it's a completely animated film with like Ooh. dragons and like wait this sounds familiar plat- now bikini yes. clad warriors and stuff mm-hmm. but the safest chainmail. I, th- I think this movie took inspiration from from that movie as well uh, at the very top the first thing we see as a viewer of this movie mm-hmm. is the words when I die bury me deep mm. lay two oh, speakers yeah. at my feet wrap some headphones around my head and rock and roll me when I'm dead Great. I was and dead. then. And then three times throughout the movie, two or three times, uh, it switches to animation, mm-hmm. yes. which is which is very much in the vein of heavy metal, or also like uh, I guess Kill Bill does it, and, uh, and recent, yeah. recently the French Dispatch. Right. But it's just wild to be like to switch from how beautiful and sumptuous and gorgeous the lighting and the and c- how careful the filmmaking is, and then just full on switch to animation is so weird. But it worked. Like to me, it works. Yeah. Like yeah, I love it. Yeah. I think the work they did to make it seem like a graphic novel yeah. in a way worked when they switch to animation because it doesn't feel that different yeah there's mm-hmm. a moment mm-hmm. where they are panning down from like a forest mm-hmm. and it took me a minute to be like is this the animated part or yeah. are we still and yeah. then it you see mandy and i was like ah okay so yeah. we are animated yes. now yeah i loved how they so did cool. the like title sequence actually like halfway through where they were like mandy with Multiple like the times. roots and yeah. stuff because yeah. it was very much like okay well this is about like the whatever mountains the fuck they're in and I know geography really well, don't worry. And uh, so you get like the intro, which is the first half of the movie. And then the second half is like, okay, you're going to be in for a very different time now. This is called Mandy Welcome. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it goes into just the hardcore chain size. Yeah. Axe glaive thing. Yeah. That was, yeah. I'm good with weapons too. Which, which is similar to the the sort of chapterness of it where it's like, yeah. here's mm-hmm. a title, here's this chapter, here's this title, here's this chapter yep. is, is very much like Kill Bill. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I do think if I had, to, if like uh, a silver axe sword to my head, if I had to say like inspiration, I'd say Suspiria, Heavy Metal, and Kill Bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also reminded me of... Um, I've never actually seen these. I've just seen like bits and pieces of like that Hobbit cartoon from the eighties. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. And the um, I think there's an act like a Dungeons and Dragons like show, wasn't Bash- there? Or a movie? Bash- Bashki is that the guy who Maybe? made the the Hobbit? Bashki, I think. It sounds Google. right, but yeah. yeah, like it reminded me of that where you know, and again, it was keeping with that nostalgia they wanted to make you feel from the eighties because 
100%. I was like, oh, that's 80s. Cool boy. It, even the yeah. switch to the animation. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. They kept the vibe the whole way through. Rankin yes. and Bass. Um, Bask, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm trying oh, Frank, to find... Franklin and Bash, right? Rankin Franklin and Bash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Char- characters That's, welcome. Uh, the law show? <laughs> characters welcome? <laughs> Have you guys seen Franklin and Bash's uh, The Hobbit? It's pretty wild. It's, it's really a, it's a legal. It's a legal Good drama. Ride. There's more tort yeah. than you'd expect, but you learn a lot. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I'm trying to find my notes. I want to tell you one note about the axe, because I was like, I oh, yeah. Adel will mm. enjoy this. It um, is interesting. So we get almost, I, I will say, having seen, I think I've seen all the Rambo movies. I've seen in a very well. Rambo style, I don't think it's ever explicitly said, mm-hmm. in a very Rambo style, he, after his wife is uh, murdered, Nick Cage mm-hmm. goes to a trailer mm-hmm. that has the words fuck off on it. He knocks yeah. on it and the guy says, can't you read, which is a great moment. Mm-hmm. Love that. And then the guy opens and you have to assume... It seems like Nick, they're setting up Nick Cage to possibly be like ex-military or yes. something. something, yeah. They're saying, and, yeah. And he was maybe in a, uh, I don't know what it's called, a, a team or a troop. I don't know what they call it. Something. <laughs> in military. A, a, with this other, uh, uh, yeah. A, a, a community <laughs> with this other gentleman who's giving him <laughs> weapons. And it's so yeah. funny to see him retrieve his... his um, the Reaper, the crossbow. That's what he calls it. The re- like, a he crossbow. Call it? Mm-hmm. He retrieves this crossbow... Uh, his friend makes him these special arrows that chew through bone like uh, like a, a knife, hot through, knife butter. through butter. Yeah, what? I missed that but part. Then, <laughs> well, he funny. uses a different phrase. <laughs> oh, okay. But then he, but then he also, after he retrieves that weapon, he, it smash cuts to him pouring silver <laughs> to yeah. create this axe, yeah. and it's like, where did where did this come from? Where did the mold come from? <laughs> Where did you melt down silver from? Like, what is happening? He went to his it's bunker, like this, as any yes. normal human does. I'm so But upset. it's almost like this, it's like this mythical creation moment where you're just like, they spent so much time setting up him going to retrieve his crossbow, and then they just smash cut to him being suddenly being a blacksmith forming like a magical <laughs> item. Like, it's so weird. Here's a fun fact about me too, is I'm notorious yeah. for just missing things and well. being like, sure. So I was watching this and he gets the crossbow and I was like, okay, I'm on board. And yeah. then he smash cuts to making this weapon. And in my head, I genuinely went, I thought that the crossbow was wood, but okay. Cause I thought he was making the ax with the crossbow. And I was like, melt down. Cool. I yes, was like, please. I don't know how he did that, but that's, yeah. but this movie's so weird that I was like, you, that's fine. And then I see him use the crossbow, and I went, "No, hold on." <laughs> and I was now lost. what's this now? Yeah. So, but it yeah. is it is similar to Rambo in terms of like ex-military, like once a once a life of peace, and for whatever reason he gets dragged back to his old methods. Yeah. You know, he's like, here we go again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never seen Rambo. Well, actually, you know what? That's a lie. I think I have seen Rambo when I was working at the theater that I work at. I believe yeah. Rambo was playing on thirty-five millimeter, and I just had to like you know look at it through the flap again. So I think I've seen Rambo. I've never seen Um, Rambo. But here's the fun fact about his axe. Because I was like, you'll enjoy this. Um, So the weapon forged by Red was based on the F from the logo for extreme metal band Celtic Frost. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, right? Like, I was like, (laughs) even though they didn't play a lot of heavy metal, I was like, this movie's got metal vibes. Well, she has, like, all the band t-shirts She does. That's true, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I looked it up. It does look like the F. I I love what when he gets cut. I think he's wearing like a jersey shirt that says forty four. His favorite shirt. Yeah, Not and shirt. I love for for a moment I thought it was the tiger shirt, and I'm like, I can totally see where that tiger shirt. Like when he's Understood. tied up, and 
when he's tied up and it, there's almost like a Jesus moment where he gets stabbed in the side, like the, the spear longinus mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, I was like, I totally get that that shirt's incredible. Like I would, yeah. I would live and die for that My shirt. shirt. Yeah. But the 44 shirt, that's, that seems like a thrift store pickup. Uh, when he said this is my favorite shirt, I for sure was like, surely they're going to explain some sort of significance. Like maybe Mandy yeah. gave it to him. It's the and shirt they were like, he was wearing when he met Mandy. Shit. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> this is only that because I sense. read 20 articles okay, about this. True. Other discerning eyes found that. I did not. <laughs> I did not Wait, pick that, up on that. that. That's real? That's the shirt mm, he yeah. wore? Okay. Wow. They do play that moment at the mm, end. Is yeah. he wearing it? Okay. There's that. See, this is this is the type of lore I crave. I need any wherever you found these articles yeah. about the the lore of this film. I need all of this. Oh, is there okay. a name for the weapon, uh, Nikki? Uh, it's I know the name. Yeah, you, Kate, the Beast. Oh, Kate, the Beast. The beast. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So all of Kate's notes are on our website because mm-hmm. Kate does insane mm-hmm. research for this, and I <laughs> love it. Um, I, I write down my tiny little notes and I'm like, you've done good, Nikki. And then Kate's like, I have 12 <laughs> articles. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's fine. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about how, what a joy to, to cast this movie must have been such a joy what because a everyone, I mean, Nick Cage included, but, mm. but that's a no brainer in terms of if you want like Duh. a wild, a wild, uh, acting celebrity. <laughs> The rest of the cast in this movie is so fascinating in terms of their look, in terms of their choices, in terms Mm -hmm. of their, like, their build. Like, the guy with the, when there's, like, the dueling chainsaws, where (laughs) which is, I remember in the theaters, I think that was the biggest cheer of the whole movie. Of course. Was when (laughs) Nicolas Cage has a regular chainsaw and he's trying to get it started. He's approaching this, like, weirdly, massively muscular dude. Yeah. His face looks so, like like older and like he's kind of a dork and then yeah. his body is like that of like an olympian which is very weird <laughs> but nicholas cage is approaching him with a regular chainsaw and then the guy smiles and pulls out like a 50 going. foot chainsaw <laughs> just keeps going. where it's like it's like oh like du- dueling penises but yes! it's it's such a funny unnecessary <laughs> moment yeah but i remember I... the audience the audience going absolutely nuts for that moment <laughs> It's not about size. It's how you use it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was just like, it's that moment. <laughs> it reminds me of when clowns pull, like, fabric out of them. Oh, and they're yeah. like, Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he pulls do, do, do. it from behind a wall. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> it just, I called it Chainsaw XL because I was yeah. like, yeah. oh, I see. It's, and for such a wild weapon, the fight was yeah. done pretty quick. Yeah. Like, pretty, yeah, he, yeah. And he was hoisted by his own batard. Yeah. But, it, but yep. the... The actors who are cast in this, I also, I, the, I think when I thought in theaters, uh, I was stoned out of my brain. So I think As I was just like, yes. <laughs> I think I was like, this is perfect. Don't change a thing. But watching it sober this past time, I was looking for, <laughs> I was looking for inconsistencies in terms of like, this seems to be a lower budget movie. And I'm sure that the sort of, I'm assuming no name actors that they cast. I'm yeah, sure that they're not mostly. as good as I, yeah, I'm sure they're not as good as I remember. And then I watched it and I was like. No, I think all of these people are absolute stars. They're like really I think good. they're so for the for the substance of the movie and the script being w- so weird and mm-hmm. possibly lackluster at times, they are so committed. They are so good. The gu- the leader of the Children of the New Dawn, He's when amazing. he does that monologue and they superimpose Mandy's face that. over his, amazing. like that moment is so chilling where you're just like this is one of the better moments ever like just yeah. they're they're very good actors and i think casting this movie 
would have been an absolute dream. I have two fun facts, if you're Ooh, ready. Yes. yes. Okay, so Jeremiah Sands, uh, the actor that played him, I don't remember his name. He did that <laughs> in like two takes, that like wow. long-ass monologue. Two fucking yeah. takes. And then uh, Nicolas Cage was originally approached to be Jeremiah, but he said, no, 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 I want to be the protagonist. And then Smart. panels oh, yeah. or whatever the fuck walked away. He was like, I don't see it. And then he thought, and he's like, no, I really see it. And he came back to <laughs> Nick Cage. He's like, no, I want you. That's incredible. Yeah. That guy was really good. He wasn't, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it speaks to actors too when mm-hmm. like the writing is ridiculous, out of this world, wild. Mm-hmm. And it didn't sound weird. Like, they were speaking, yeah. and I was like, uh-huh, of course, yeah, they would say that. His ego and, trip made sense. Yeah, like, everything the, made sense. Yeah. It was There's so a really good. great moment tor- towards the end of his uh, uh, life mm-hmm. where, do you, I mean, do you know how much pressure it would take to crush a man's skull between <laughs> your hands? That's, I thought about that, that's, and I was like, what is going on? LSD can do wonderful things. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful. I guess. I guess. But there's a moment, It's. I think it's so... To me, it's like the one moment that where it's almost like they pull back the curtain and you see the brittle old man who is yeah. Oz and not yeah. the wizard. There's such a great moment where the the leader of the cult is like, uh, "I, uh, Mandy burned bright, and I da da da, and like I am your god," and da, and he's saying all these like things he clearly planned that he like wrote in his manifesto. One hundred percent. And then there's a moment where like Nicolas Cage starts to squeeze his head, and he's like, "Wait, man, I'll suck your dick." Yeah. Like whatever. You, and it's so, I feel like it's so honest in terms of like, I had all this planned and I'm going to monologize. And then the minute he's in actual danger, he's like, I don't want to die. Whatever you want, please. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think it's so, that moment I think is so worthwhile mm-hmm. to have in the film because it shows like as much as a sort of committed crazed cult leader is towards the final moments of anyone's life i'm yep. sure they're they're desperately human and they're like wait 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 self-preservation yeah <laughs> it's really cool to see like brother snow's final moments versus jeremiah's because brother snow is like well at least i burn bright and jeremiah's like no let me suck your dick yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please. <laughs> please yeah. yeah let me abandon all that i stand oh, for yeah. to, like, to live another day I, I think it's just so honest and so funny and so oh, yeah i'm so happy they, they put that in i'll yeah. also say one of my other favorite moments, and and maybe my favorite character, although I don't know his name in the movie, mm. there's a moment where like the van is perched somewhere up the drive mm-hmm. before they come to kill Mandy, right? The and there's like guy? the fog and the lights and all these moments, and then they show the guy in the passenger seat playing with the automatic so window, yeah, and his his face and the way he smiles and the way he like <laughs> plays with the camera and just that moment where they show him putting the window up and down for like two minutes. I'm like, this is so funny and unnecessary, yet totally necessary. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I adore those choices. It was masterful movie making. I recognized the brilliance of it. I was annoyed as shit. I was like, I will kill you. <laughs> like, let me do it. Yeah. They they did a great job of making everyone seem very human. Because mm. like yeah. they also do this with I can't remember her name. The older one Marlene. Marlene? The white-haired one? Yes. Yeah, Marlene. They do a great job of making her, like, she says all of her lines, like, she's so devoted to this guy, but you can tell she is jealous and so mad that he likes Mandy. But they do this with every character Mm -hmm. is so humanized. They have tiny moments of being like, they're in a cult, they believe these wild things, and they're having a fantastical drug trip, but they're all just humans, and they're gonna fuck up. And they did that at the end, like you said, and it was one of my favorite moments. Of him just being like, I am God, I am this. And then he's like, No God. Like <laughs> I think uh, I think the the creators of this film 
also rec- I have to imagine they recognized most of their audience would be drug users <laughs> because <laughs> no. so so many moments are indulgent past the point that they should be. Like there's there's 40 scenes where any competent editor would be like I'm going to trim a minute and a half off this this moment. Like, we don't need this. (laughs) But it's so indulgent to the point that I think they're like, the people who experience this on drugs will find meaning in this or find humor or find horror, whatever that is. I think it's just, it's it's so, so incredibly indulgent. Mm. Yeah. And I think that also speaks to the horror of it, too. Because we've Mm. talked about this in other, other films where, like, making people look at something for just a little too long immediately makes you uncomfortable unsettled like it's like i've seen it i've seen it like they show mandy burning for a very long long time time. and they also show her like moving and it immediately makes you like so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. you want to look away but they don't let you please cut away cut away please (laughs) yeah thank you so great that almost that almost ties into nobody blinking is mm -hmm. like anytime you see a anytime you see a shot the camera is not going to blink, quote like uh, uh, AKA no turn cuts, away or, or yeah. cut to, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like the camera is also unflinching, where it's yeah. like you see it through the you see it through the character's eyes. The characters don't blink, therefore you see it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. It, yeah. Yeah. It was just so good. I I thought, and then like there's a few shots as well that I talked about in the beginning of this where they show the grainy film and all this, but then there's that moment with like the tiger as well that is so clear and crisp and not grainy and i was like it's just a cool way to be like whenever someone is on this drug trip they seem to be like in another world doing all these things and then this tiger is very real like it's there it's it's just cool they did a lot of cool things with like camera and lighting and like you said like making sure you're seeing it through their eyes it just made me so unsettled the whole time. <laughs> I fully oh, yes. believe it was like action artistic choice to make the tiger clear yes. and everything else great. But I really want to picture the CGI guy who spent weeks on this fucking tiger and he's like, Greg, you cannot take this away from me. Do not put grain on that, Greg. And he's just like so angry. <laughs> I'm doing it. And they were like, he's like, I'll quit. I'll take my Aww, tiger and go Greg. home. <laughs> Greg, come on. Come on. I think. God, classic I, Greg. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like the, um, it feels like almost exclusively or, or a lot of practical effects, mm, yeah. which to me, I adore. Like my favorite horror film of all time is The Thing, John Carpenter's The oh, Thing, oh, which I, yeah. I think is, if not 100, at least like 95% practical effects. Mm-hmm. So I love the, especially the moment of when they have Mandy in the, in the the with the new children and they're kind of uh, grooming her for her meeting with the, the yeah. high priestess or whatever his name is. They take that giant bug oh, out. wasp. Ew. Yeah, and they make like it stinger. It. They make it stinger come out and put it. And I, and I'm like, I don't think that's an actual bug they're holding, because um, no. it's way too large and it's way too menacing. But I'm like, I that looks so real. And there's moments of like, I mean, I guess these are real ones where there's like boots and there's millipedes crawling all around his feet and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's just so many practical effects done so well that I really, yeah. I really applaud the usage of that. Yeah. Do you do you remember the movie that we did that was like all practical it. effects? The first one. It. Yes, I was pumped about that mm-hmm. um any movie that has practical effects i'm super into and uh this one was the same way yeah because it felt like the blood and everything and i think that was purposeful to keep it reminiscent of the 80s mm. yeah it's like you know you can't make a movie that's just full cgi and buck wild effects and have it still be super reminiscent of yeah. a time where that just didn't exist yeah. so yeah like i loved it that wasp i love bugs mm-hmm. so i was like what's going on here like i was super intrigued um, and i was like does this exist like i wanted to know about this bug <laughs> i did not look it up i should have but the part 
Oh, freaks me out. It's so good. Yeah. All the blood had to be, when he squishes his head, that had to be some awesome special effects, like practical effects. <laughs> the Foley was so juicy in that moment. I was oh, like, too juicy. This is too juicy. No. This Foley is too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I love the juicy Foley. The juicier, the better. And this movie was dripping. <laughs> I don't do eyes and I don't do creatures with more than four legs. Those are like my two things. <laughs> and that's that's what you say on a, on a first date, right? Yeah. Hi, yeah, nice that's to meet you. Mm-hmm. It's so nice to meet you. I don't do eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I say the opposite and I go, hi, I like bugs and the juicier, the better. And they're like, Let's go. It's like, let me measure your eye. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, hold on. The other, uh, when I first saw this in a, in a packed theater at the at the Music Box in Chicago, which I, I think it was maybe 2019, 2018? It's 2018 um, when it came out, yeah. Yes. 2018, okay. The other moment that people lost their shit at, which I, I'm mm-hmm. just remembering, is when he, I think he just killed Pigfucker. Sure. And I think the guy he pushed down the well Mm-hmm. came back or sis. something this oh, yeah. yes the slippery guy yeah he <laughs> comes back at, slippery one. so that's the guy he's fighting when he says like you cut my favorite shirt mm-hmm. and he there's a moment where it's like it's like a, almost like a martial arts like block block twist where he like he parries two blows and then he twists the guy's neck to mm-hmm. snap it while he like smiles or whatever mm-hmm. and i remember everyone like started cheering and then he picks up a piece of glass and does a, a mound of coke off of it oh and yeah. people Just people <laughs> leapt out of their seats to scream and cheer that moment Stop of like it. our our hero is taking coke like <laughs> He's great. okay yeah. let me just say nicholas cage in this movie truly would lick anything he just kept picking stuff up and being like yeah let me see yeah. what that's about oh. yeah he picks yeah, a when gray he... sludge. It's like, yeah, this looks good. Why? <laughs> like, Sir, one of my notes was just, you can't lick everything. Yeah. <laughs> which, like, stop which me. Takes him, he takes a lick. He, he barely presses his tongue to the smallest dab boom. on his finger, and his brain melts like a candle <laughs> wick. And, like, it, it's it's so wild. Mm-hmm. It's so wild. Oh, Meanwhile, God. you have the scene with the chemist, and he's apparently, according to the articles that I read, he is making tabs. And I was like, those are really small pictures. <laughs> I was just like, so Oh no! I'm really small. It's like that's really talented. (laughs) This man loves tiny photography. (laughs) Oh fuck! I love that guy. I didn't understand it. This is also notorious. Every time we have had a guest, the two times that we've had a guest, we've done a movie where I just don't fucking understand what's happening. And usually the guest and Kate are talking, and I'm going, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." (laughs) I don't know what's happening. Who was that guy? He was the chemist. He's the one that in like. Uh, this is assumed, but he's the one that made the bad batch of LSD that oh. made the black skulls who they are. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm on board now. This yeah. is easier than the wailing. The last one we did with the guest was the wailing, and I was like, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> that movie That's, was... One of the better lines in the movie is is that, I guess, the ex-army, we assume ex-military guy yeah. Yeah, uh, in the trailer, where he's telling the story of the black skulls. And mm. yeah, he says, he's like, somebody gave him a bad batch of LSD, and it, it put them in a world of pain or something. Yeah. And then he goes... But here's the funny thing. They loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I so fucked up. I called that like I called two things in this whole movie. Two times I was correct in my predictions. One of them was that moment. I got the wording wrong. I thought he said and they liked it. He said or, and they it fucking might be liked it. it. No, he yeah. said they fucking loved oh, okay. it. No, I was incorrect. You're I right. did not have the degree <laughs> to which they loved it. But there was another, I don't remember what it was, but I knew in that moment, because I was like, oh no, they're fucking masochists. Like, there's no other way around this. Like, they love yeah. their own pain. Oh, that's wild. Why else would they have nails in their body? Yeah, I mean, what, I one of them- I thought that guy was a ghost! Well. 
Yeah, they are like S and M goons. Like yeah. they are, they all look like fuck dolls or something. Yeah. Um, there's there's a moment like one of them gets shot through the neck with yes! this this uh, special arrow, and he simply pulls it out of his throat and then continues to like watch his bonfire. Uh-huh. So it's like uh-huh. they are. They are supernatural. I mean, okay, they e- have even to if be. you don't, mm-hmm. even if like your pain receptors were burned off by LSD or something, chemically castrated or something, like you gotta, you would still, you would still collapse from a loss of blood or yeah. function. Yeah. So it is, they are to some degree supernatural. Oh, they have to be, or they have to be imagined. Like those are the options. <laughs> I saw those people and I went, okay, ghosts are here, and I was yeah. like, cool. <laughs> like I said, what in the hell, Razor Hell? I think as my yeah. note because I was like, what is this? Yeah. And then Kate the was one, like, oh, the humans. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> There's the one cult member who looks like, um, who almost looks like a cherubesque 12-year-old boy yes. with the curly oh, hair. Oh, yeah, the guy that's sacrificed. And, oh, I like yeah, him. Yeah, and I think before he even gets to say a word, I think one of the supernatural creatures, like, sucks him away Just, into hell or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, they said blood for blood, mm-hmm. and, like, he was the trade cost. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, now we're getting close to an hour, but uh, we're going to do our scariest yeah. moment. Um, yeah. So I know mine. Do I know, you know yours. I finally know mine. It took a long time. <laughs> okay, I can start with mine real quick. Okay. Mine's super quick. Okay. My scariest moment was when you first see what I thought were ghosts, which what? is just the black skulls. I think right? they're potentially demons. They so... just kept appearing every time the light flashed, yeah. and there would just be another one, and then another Ooh, one. Yeah. And it yeah, reminded me of that movie, The Strangers, where like mm. slowly you just notice that someone is where they shouldn't be, mm. and it upset me. It was so early, and I waited for another one to scare me more, but. That one just got me. Yeah. Oh, it was so upsetting. My scariest moment is when uh, Mandy, I almost forgot her name. It's like the title <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> uh, Mandy laughs at Jeremiah after he's like disrobed and oh, he was like, great. you want this. And she's like, your music sucks. And she laughs, <laughs> at him. And then he has his like absolute meltdown where his ego has been damaged beyond repair. And he's like screaming, don't fucking look at me. Don't fucking look at me. And I was like, there is nothing scarier than the white male ego being absolutely crushed. And in that moment, I was like, anything could happen. Yeah, upsetting. Yeah. And it was terrifying. You should, uh, what's the cult leader's name? Jeremy? Jeremiah. Jeremiah? Yeah. Jeremiah. You should look up a friend of mine, uh, uh, a friend of mine named Sean, who goes, he goes by a, the name Diane Coffee. He's a Ooh. musician. Uh, if you look up um, on like Spotify or something, the album co- covers for Diane Coffee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he has an album cover where he looks so much like this guy. He looks like a more oh handsome, God. like a, like a younger, more handsome version of Jeremiah, complete with like dripping mascara almost, like under the eyes. Oh my god! Yeah, we looked it up. He does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but oh, I but great. while I was, while I was watching this, I'm like I couldn't help but think like this looks kind of like Sean. But like I, again, Sean. Sean is is much younger and much more attractive. And um, probably uh, less horrific as a human. So. Yeah, and probably, less horrific. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's wonderful. Oh, no. Um, I would say my scariest. Uh, I think the scariest moment happens fairly early on. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think they're, I can't remember if this turns out to be a dream or they're really there, but they're like by a lake and Mandy Mm. comes up out of the water and you see her, you see her eyes come up and then the rest of her face and she has on her right eye, she has like a contact lens that makes her one pupil seem super dilated. Yeah. And then it's also, she has it, I think the whole movie, but it's super clear that she has scarge on her left cheek. But that moment when she comes out and the camera's just like unflinchingly on her is 
for whatever reason, gave me like chills where I'm Ugh. like, this is super disturbing. And I think it's mostly like the 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 eye, like the the contact thing, yeah. is just real really upset me. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I'd say second scariest moment is Nicolas Cage and his tidy whities. Yeah, 100%. yeah, it is quite yeah. frightening. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, we're all here for this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So Kate's got some some sick tropes that I'm excited for. I accidentally called one of them. So excited. I'm trying to remember which one you called. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, okay, so I have awesome but impractical. That's the weapons that he chooses to wield. Uh-huh. So the <laughs> arrows that he gets from Carruthers, awesome arrows, super cool. Won't kill demons, though. Who knew? Who knew? Couldn't <laughs> have predicted that. It is, it is funny. He gets. There's like 15 minutes of buildup of him getting the crossbow, getting the arrows, talking <laughs> so about the arrows, setting up in the forest, aiming at the people, and then he shoots one <laughs> so crossbow. What? He get, he shoots one crossbow and then shit goes wrong and he mm-hmm. gets captured and mm-hmm. it's like oh that sucks <laughs> yeah and it's even kind of funnier because when uh, Jeremiah asks Mandy like what do you see she, or like someone asks her what she sees when yeah. she's tripping balls and she's like I see the Reaper coming and like oh, yeah she fucking knows and well the Reaper didn't, <gasps> I didn't do much call that. <laughs> listen I am Kate. not taking credit for this <laughs> I love when you pay attention <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then also the awesome but impractical chainsaw's a weapon it took so many tries to get that thing fired up he does it so many cool. times it's cool to see the hero wield a chainsaw because oh, yeah. typically yeah. I, I, almost i think 100 percent of the time it's always a villain using it so it's cool yeah. to see maybe yeah. maybe nicholas cage is the villain in this movie who knows i mean the whole time uh okay so this one i did i went really down a rabbit hole and then i realized i didn't have time to do that uh so it's bathos B-A-T-H-O-S. Mm-hmm. And it is, quote, a storytelling technique that follows serious ideas with commonplace or ludicrous. And so it's really just like that juxtaposition of like very serious and then just like really ridiculous. <gasps> but the <laughs> name of that trope comes from Perry Bathos or The Art of Sinking in Poetry by Alexander Pope in 1728. Mm. Oh, okay. And yeah. So basically, yeah. In this, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, there is like, they, they have all this tension and like weirdness built up. And then there is that conversation of like, What's your favorite planet? Yes. <laughs> he's like, uh, Jupiter. And then he's like, mine's probably Saturn. And she's like, oh, totally. And then he's like, wait, mine's Galactus. Mine's Galactus. And she's like, <laughs> it's like, she's like, that's not a planet. And he goes, well, he eats planets. And it's like, she's, it's. She gives the longest explanation. And he's like, Saturn. <laughs> okay. After Cloverfield, where there was that moment where she's like, what would you rather do? And he's like, I'd rather look at you or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, she's going to be like, my favorite planet's Saturn because of like the thousand year storm. What's she your favorite planet? You. Earth, because you're on it. <laughs> like, I really thought that's what was going to happen. Nope. Go I was like, no, Saturn, it's cool. We're good. Don't Sa- worry. Saturn, because of the rings, will you marry me? Yeah. Like, oh, so oh no. Yeah. High I, praise. I really did think that was going to happen, and I was not ready for it. <laughs> if only. Uh, so, in Alexander Pope's uh, short essay that I have not read, uh, he was shitting on poets that he considered bad at poetry. Uh, one of his points he made was the juxtaposition of serious and trivial elements uh, that he thought, like, if it was done poorly, was a grave mistake. And in the few years since 19... Nope. 1728. I can't say years. It's just a class. I can't say years. 1728. Uh, it has come to represent the usually intentional juxtaposition of the silly and the serious generally from humor. So if you want, mm. like, a slightly more modern example, Douglas Adams. Like any of Douglas Adams' books, Hitchhiker's Guide oh. to the Galaxy. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, so he'll do like lists of three, and like the first two are serious, and the third is like, excuse me, sir. Uh, <laughs> and so we see this in Mandy several times. He's just witnessed his wife murdered in front of him. It's time for the Cheddar Goblin. He snaps the neck of one of the black skulls. He screams about his shirts. You know. 
So yeah. there are other examples, but the dis- those are the ones that I care right, to mention. Right, those ones stick out. Yeah. And then there's also a distinction between bathos and gallows humor, but we don't have to get into that right now. It is kind of like a sub-trope slash alternative trope slash distinction. <laughs> it's a fun time that we're not going to do right now. Uh, this- oh, sub-tropes. Turkey breast with Swiss. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah. Well, uh, next up, we have decapitation presentation. Oh, thank God. Yes. And this is the display of the head after you have freed it from the body. Uh, well, And they do, they do this three times, right? Do they? With, with Mandy. twice. With oh. Mandy, with the silver-haired lady, and yeah. then with the... Um, I think it was What's scab. the third one? Did they, it was the scab? guy that he lights the cigarette off the head, like because he like right and scab, yes, yeah, he cuts yeah, yeah. That off. yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, so there's three dismembered heads they show for sure, for sure. And Not enough, I'd say. <laughs> what's one more? You know, between friends, so we should make some Mandy dis- dismembered only jackets. <gasps> Merch idea. No, <laughs> no, no, no members only. Dismembered only. Dismembered only. We'll make dismembers it, only. We'll yeah. make merch. We'll sell it, but it'll yeah. say like "Adam Refine." <laughs> <laughs> Why ruin a good jacket? <laughs> oh God! Uh, so the use of decapitation presentation is usually like brutality, rage, cold precision, political threats, what have you. It's pretty common. Like how many times does it happen in Game of Thrones? But um, in this Classic. case, it was used at least twice, probably thrice. Um, I have never said thrice in my life. I don't know why I chose now. Uh, then there's the berserk button. So that's like the one thing that will send someone over the edge into violence. And for Nick Cage, it's his shirt. Actually, probably the murder of his wife, but I'm choosing like, his shirt. <laughs> it, it's. Can I also interject? Yes. Um, yeah. Nick, what's, what did you call that trope? The rage button? Uh, mm-hmm. Berserk button. Berserk button. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage also has a very famous berserk button. Uh, that's that one of my co-hosts on another podcast I do, mm-hmm. JPC, is obsessed with, which is in Con Air, he's dealing with all these criminals and everything, and towards the end, somebody picks up his daughter's bunny, and he goes berserk and kills them and goes, why couldn't you put down the bunny? <laughs> and so that's... And so that's that's like the thing that sets him off, is like the, 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 the so villain... The, the villain holding his daughter's bunny makes him like black out and go insane. Shit, that's that reasonable. So I get good. it. I get you, Nick Cage. <laughs> oh, oh God, I love that. Now I need to watch Con Air. It's fine. Good. <laughs> I believe J- it. JPC's favorite movie. It's oh. really good. Like Con Air's good. JPC might like no. Really what movie? Just real quick. What mm-hmm. movie did Nicolas Cage win an Oscar for? Was it Con Air? Uh, I think Leaving Las Vegas. Okay, mm, that makes sense because I know he has an Oscar, but I was like, which one? Okay. Yeah. I sorry. did a deep dive into Nick Cage, and I was like. One of the things was how much is Nick Cage worth? And it's like, well, if you count all his debts and like how he took Don't so many Don't talk about movies. the fact that okay. when he went bankrupt, he... the only thing he got to keep was his, his tombstone <laughs> in New Orleans. Yeah, right? which which I've been to five times. Me too. And it's, well, not five. It's typically, it's typically covered in lipstick kisses because no. women, will, women will put on lipstick and there's like a clear plastic area of it. And they will kiss that plastic area and leave lips. So there's always they clean it I, probably monthly or something. But there's always new lip imprints. Um, he also he also bought the Lalurie Mansion. He did, yeah. which which, like, <laughs> which he then lost because yeah. of debts. Yeah. He also yeah. he also bought like a T Rex, uh, a full T Rex or something. Like, <laughs> he bought the dinosaur skull, but then he found out that it was stolen, so he returned it to the property. Yeah. yeah. If you ever want a really fun fact, not on this podcast because we don't have time, but I have a really <laughs> weird fun fact about the Lollary Mansion, Ooh. about who okay. owns it now, and a very oh. creepy room that this person has. 
someday. Ooh, just let me know. Okay. It's weird. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> yes, I know please. this fun fact. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let you know. It's good. <laughs> uh, da, da, da. I'm trying to think. Okay. We'll end with high pressure blood. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, so this is the staple in slashers. The blood really just fires out of those bodies, you know? And <laughs> it, it's just like when the guy is on the chainsaw, it just like creates an asterisk. It's blood like in all mist. directions. And then when he cuts uh, fuck pig's throat, it's just like covers Nick Cage because it has to. Mm. How else could you represent? So yeah. there were some others that we've covered in other movies like Drone of the Dead, Hell is That Noise. Uh, and then I had others, but they got lost in my notes. But yeah, those are my tropes Did you that say I picked out. Hell is that noise? Yeah. So hell is that noise is where a character hears something weird mm-hmm. and it's yeah. unnatural and it may not be that scary on its own, but as time passes, they get more and more scared ah. and it starts to be more relevant. So the sound can come to haunt them. But gotcha. it's, yeah. It sounds like something like I would say if I was disturbed out of sleep or something. Where yeah. I'm like, huh, how's, how's that? that noise? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes, for sure. It's every Love night it. with my nasty cat. Oh, Noodle has his 4 a.m. zoomies. Don't. Aw. No. Don't awe him. He's so mean to me. I have I have fries and brisket, and they oh. get their zoomies out all the time. Yeah. I have Noodle and Miso, and they both yeah. hate me so much, but they also Fantastic. love Fantastic. I have Goose, and she has a lot of opinions on what I should be typing to customers, so she <laughs> likes to walk across that keyboard. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, so that's tropes. Yeah, that's tropes. So we just have to choose a rating scale mm. and then rate the movie. Um, yeah. my instant thought was XL chainsaws, well, but yeah. listen, you know, if you guys have other ideas, I am open to any ideas. How? I'll say, how about we say, um, so this is like out of, out of 10 blanks, like we create mm. a, a new, create I would say mm-hmm. my go-to would be swigs from a vodka bottle. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> how many swigs. swigs from a vodka? This is a very Blair Witch throwback because yeah. we had shots of scotch for sweet, sweet Heather. Uh, we love yeah. Them. So thank you, thank you for joining. For vodka bottle, swigs from a vodka bottle. Okay, we typically do yeah. out of five. Yeah, and so then oh, it's out of five. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we just we, we can't do be a... trusted with ten. We Who'd can't. give us we ten? Can't. <laughs> um, so we usually do uh, three, two, one, and we just throw up a number. And if oh, you have oh, to do a half, oh. just give it a knuckle. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so um, I, mm, I'm mm, ready. Mm. Oh shit! No, I'm ready now. It's like you're not ready. I can tell. Okay, I'm ready. Ready? You count. I can't count. Three. Two, one. Fuck Yay! yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, I guess I'm starting. Yeah, you uh, start. So I think that it was a very masterful movie. I really appreciate the artistry in it. I, as a person that really loves dialogue and intricate plots, I was quite bored. <laughs> I was just like, okay, let me see her face for like 30 seconds. I'm done after five. So I can really appreciate that it was well done. And I love that the use of film grain was very intentional. So like, the lighting mm-hmm. meant a lot. Like, I value this movie. It's just not for me. Yeah. It's not my movie. I'm this very is... dialogue-focused and very plot-driven. This is yeah. Chainsaw Massacre all over again. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> we disagreed. Yes. Um, I give it four and a half. Uh-huh. And literally, I would have given it five. Mm-hmm. My only qualm is that there wasn't enough Cheddar Goblin. If well? you had just given me a little more. <laughs> well. Because, like, the way that my friends talked about it, I thought he was going to be important mm-hmm. but he wasn't so he's like, like a spirit guide on listen, his shoulder i really thought <laughs> there should 100 percent be a scene where it's like uh when he's fighting cyst or something and cyst will like knock the knife out of his hand and cyst will have him backed up against the corner mm-hmm. and it's like oh no 
Nick Cage is about to die. Sist is, has got him cornered. There's no way for him to run. And then suddenly, like, a frying pan comes down on his head. <laughs> and Sis falls down. And his Cheddar Goblin, like, smoking a cigarette. And he's like, you get one. And then he, like, disappears or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I can't. See? Adel's made this movie a five. <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's literally it. I just was yeah. so expecting more. I was like, where is yeah. he? But genuinely, though, four and a half. Because, like, the lighting is so pretty. Mm. And coming as, like coming out coming from a projectionist mm. with the film grain i loved it so much i love nice good film grain used well like because <laughs> i've ruined quite a few films by adding yeah. some film grain once upon a time in hollywood i destroyed that print and i'm really sorry about it i really thought you were about to tell a story once upon a time in hollywood i did no, this. i fucked like, up that film bad what? and it played for like a month and i was like sorry so like when they use it genuinely mm. and it makes sense to the movie i think mm. that's so cool I, I was just excited. And also, let me just say another reason it's four and a half. Mm. I thought that that weird knife dildo was going to do more. And then it well, got stuck in the ground. And I was like, well, yeah. I think I think there's a moment where we see two dead bodies in a room as he's going into that before yeah. we meet okay. Fuckpig. Okay. And I, th- I think those are the victims, unfortunately, of his uh, weapon of choice. Yes, it is. Oh, it's fair. Okay. Sad. Okay. Well, there's, then, you know what? I think back. There's a dead man <laughs> yes. with a with a very bloodied ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is unpleasant. <laughs> yes. I saw yes. it and I was like, no, thank you. This is like so when you, I missed the fart in the whaling. Yeah. It you is the fart ex- in the whaling, yeah. You have to extrapolate Fuckpig, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. Um, <laughs> and yet? Yeah. And yet. Uh, I give this five out of five uh, yeah. swigs from the vo- uh, mm, mm. vodka bottle. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I think this is a modern day masterpiece. I mm. think I would bet my my entire net worth that mm-hmm. there is going to be a Criterion collection of this movie. Mm-hmm. 100%. I will, I will be first in line to buy that. I think this is the perfect movie to watch sober. It's a, It's absolutely the perfect movie to watch uh, while under the influence of drugs. And I think it's wonderful in terms of you can watch this by yourself. You could watch this with a room of 50 people, and it doesn't matter. This is a perfect movie. If you want to talk and riff and, and laugh or whatever, this is the perfect movie because there's barely any dialogue. Yeah. And You've the dialogue, <laughs> yeah, you've got so much time. So I think it's it, it would be such a great group experience where, like, nobody's going to get mad of, like, shh, I'm trying to hear what they're saying. Because right. nobody says anything, nobody say anything. basically. Uh, so I think it's like the perfect thing to just have on in the background or to watch, watch or to just like let wash over you as you're mm. falling asleep. Oh, I so think good. it is. Mm. It's not the best movie I've ever seen, but again, I can't stress enough. Maybe the most beautiful movie it's I've so ever seen. Beautiful. And so unbelievably watchable. Like just every, I think there's like a famous, um, I want to say it's like a YouTube series or something mm-hmm. where it's called like every frame of picture. Oh yeah, yeah, it yeah. goes yeah, where it goes like through the shining and it's like every single moment is so well oh, produced and done. Oh I think this movie should absolutely hopefully they have done it, but I feel like uh that phrase applies to this movie where mm-hmm. every frame is a picture. It yeah. really is. It was very much beautiful. Does to it throw back to the like, portraiture? Yeah, yeah, like uh have you ever seen Black Coat's Daughter? No. That movie is very much like the I accidentally called this, but the person who made it was super into portraiture. And so every shot of every character felt like if you had just paused it, it mm-hmm. feels like a portrait they would take. Wow. And that's apparently what they were trying to do. Yeah. It's so good. So if you like this one, I highly recommend Black Coat's Daughter and The Neon Demon. Mm, yeah. Great. Very good. Thank super, you. I watched super that. Pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it's very um, pretty. Yeah. And then we just have to do our outro, but if you have to go, we can just do that real quick. So. Yeah. Uh, cool. yeah. Would you like to plug, you things? Want to plug stuff? 
Yeah, so you can catch me on a few podcasts. I would say check out uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern. It's an improvised fantasy show um, where it's a, a gentleman falls into a magical world like Narnia, but instead of going on high adventure, he kind of sets up shop at a tavern and interviews uh, interesting creatures. And um, also check out Hey Riddle Riddle, which is me and two friends, and we try and solve uh, riddles, puzzles, lateral thinking problems, and along the way we do uh, some improvised scenes. Both incredible. Yeah, I have to say, I have listened extensively to both shows. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Both incredible. Yeah. Uh, Love Hey Riddle Riddle. I've done improv my whole life, and I was like, oh, finally. Like, (laughs) a podcast for someone who's not good at riddles and loves improv. (laughs) Hey Riddle Riddle got me through the last three months of the worst job I've ever had in my life. So, So, Oh, wow. Thank you so much. (laughs) Of course. Thank you. Uh, Truly, uh, thank you all for having me on, and and, uh, thanks for making this so easy and so fun. Yeah, it was super fun. Thank Thank you you for joining us. Last time we had a guest, we forgot to introduce them for 20 minutes. So, like, we're on a roll. Um, like, by the way, this is Robbie. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Robbie. Yeah, well, please, so. please let me know if you're all over in uh, Chicago and we'll grab oh, a drink or sure. something. Yeah, of course. It'd be yeah. great. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Bye, y'all. I want to say thank you again to our incredible guest, Adler Fi. It was super awesome talking to him. I think Nikki can say the same. I was almost gonna cry. Yeah. <laughs> He's just great. I just want to say, Adam Rafai, great. He's so. so sweet. So fucking sweet. So funny. So um, witty. Yeah. Check yeah. out his podcast. Seriously. Oh. But he's just so great. Both of those podcasts are hysterical. Oh, truly, yes. Like, even if you don't like riddles, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't <And> either. <laughs> to all my friends who like improv, check it out you will love it so yeah Yeah, for sure so this wraps up our discussion of mandy Mm -hmm. if you enjoyed your time with us we would greatly appreciate if you'd rate and review on apple podcast that helps other people find our show and it also makes us see like what things do you like what things can we build on that sort of stuff yeah you can also follow us on instagram and twitter at just go with it where every wednesday we'll post the movie for the week as well as where you can find it uh, and then we'll post more things throughout the week. But like Wednesday is the day you got to see in terms yeah. of if you want to be prepared for our episode. And we will usually put where you can find usually. it. Usually. Sometimes we forget. Me. <laughs> when Nikki says that, she is kindly omitting the fact that I am the one that forgets. Face a lie. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> you can also check out our extended show notes on our website, justgoalwithitpod.com. That's where I'll post all of the articles I read, which were extensive yeah. this time. That's where we'll also post any memes we reference in yeah, passing. Definitely check out the website because Kate sure. does such extensive research and those <laughs> things that she reads are so cool and interesting. And I just mm. recommend that if you want to do a deeper dive than we mm. get through in the mm. episode, check it out. It's incredible. Yeah. I love researching for this and I there's no way that I could ever talk about half the things I read. Uh, you could also take a look at our Patreon, patreon.com slash with it. We'd like to thank our patrons, Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, and Kenny. Jeez. Woo, one take. Every, yeah, it was totally one take. I didn't <laughs> uh-huh. cut anything out. No. Every time you read those, I'm like, wow, one, a lot of people love to see it. Yes. And two, how do you read that so fast? Uh, well, the first like seven are like in just ingrained in my memory. Oh, and after okay. that, I really do struggle. I was like, well, that's six letters. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this one. <laughs> The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Roccazella, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki Zolomon. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think I know exactly how to end this oh, one. Oh, well. We got to give our best take of Nicolas Cage saying, you ripped my shirt. Okay. Are you ready? We'll at the same time. One, three, two, one. You, you ripped, ripped my, my shirt! shirt! <laughs>
It's squirm o'clock somewhere, ladies.